Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast on this week's show. We have new NXT Tag Team Champions, and Pat McAfee returns to NXT. In New Japan Pro Wrestling, G1 Climax 30's final match between Ibushi and Sonata takes place. Who wins? What is the fallout? And we'll talk about the AEW contender matches and that amazing Jericho MJF dance routine. All that and more. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. I am your gracious host, Mark Blake, and as always, I'm joined by my friends from across the pond, Mark Madison, Pete Moon. How are we, guys? I am pumped. I've been I've been listening to Iron Maiden all day, and it's just just coursing through me. You know, you're in that that Halloween spirit already, yeah? Oh yeah. Trying to fight through something, but yeah, we'll 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 get through it. We'll be okay. If anyone follows Pete's uh, socials, they see the love he has for Halloween, and um, I have my own admiration for Halloween too. So, horror movies my way. If if I I bump into you next July when I come over to to that your neck of the woods, I'm gonna bring some yes. some Trooper Ale, which is an Iron Maiden ale, officially licensed licensed and brewed, I think, by Bruce Dickinson. Uh, it's on. It's available pretty much everywhere over here so i'll grab some if i'm gonna bump into you next year and and give you some it's a nice little drop as well it's really nice Ooh, nice okay bring some trooper ale lovely uh if i can find some stone cold uh, ipa while i'm over there that'd be even bloody better but we shall see <laughs> i don't know if they sell it outside of texas actually there is the stone cold IPA. there is a f- yeah if it uh growing up in manitoba there is this it's shockingly accessible uh, malt liquor <laughs> that came in a plastic bottle and it was called Stone Cold. <laughs> so, so that might be what some people think when, you, if you ask them for Stone Cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll have a look. So, wait a minute. Are are you from Winnipeg? I'm from Winnipeg. You idiot. There it is. You idiot. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That was the lead in. Boom. Oh, fantastic. So we're all good. How are you guys? Hope you're all you're all. Nice and well. Uh, I have a bit of a personal injury today. I think I've broken my, my hand. Mark's battling through something and Pete's just pumped. So with that, <laughs> and this is before we mentioned Brace for Impact. With that, let's uh, Every <laughs> let's crack on with the show. Uh, big day yesterday. Big day yesterday. We had NXT and AEW both put on some great showings. Let's, let's talk about NXT first. We have... As you said, Pete, in your intro there, we have new tag champs and that, that evil, dastardly Pat McAfee is back. Is that right? Yes, he is. So here's how I uh, I saw things. Uh, I learned that Adam Cole was uh, not in today or yesterday uh, at NXT. He was uh, he had his little little iPad on a on a Segway that he was uh, uh, teleconferencing in on. But the rest of you, we were there. And they were ready to take on Breezango for the NXT Tag Team Championships. And then a mystery attacker took out both Roderick Strong and uh, Bobby Fish. And so William Regal, general manager, had the opportunity to 
or asked Kyle O'Reilly if he could find it, if he wanted to find another tag team partner and, and challenge Breeze and go with, with whoever. And Kyle O'Reilly was like, no, I have, my friends are all in the hospital right now. There's been, there's, there's a mystery attacker around. I don't want to be here. I feel like I should be with them. Give the championship match to Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. Wow. And he, and he left. And so Regal asked Breezango if they have any, if they had any uh, uh, objections. And they said no. And then later on in the night, in, in the main event, I think actually, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch defeated Breezango for the tag team championships. And lo and behold, the mystery attacker revealed himself. And it was Pat McAfee. Wearing a, an interesting silver mask, getting some some GI Joe Destro vibes. Oh, that's a throwback, blimey! So Pat's back. He's he's been off the grid since his match uh, against Adam Cole, which is well received match against Adam Cole. Actually, uh, he's been off the grid. He's been doing his his radio show, his NFL show, and then all of a sudden he's just shown back up again in in NXT and back to cause havoc. It's uh, I see it as a good thing. It's a bit of a shock. It's it's going to shake shake everything up a little bit, and it gives. I take it it gives UE someone to uh, take out all their pent up frustration. I'd been talking quite a bit about how UE seemed kind of directionless, mm-hmm. and and yeah, like you said, it's giving them something to do that isn't the NXT main event. As much as I would love for NXT or not NXT, as much as I would love for UE to to hold all the gold for at least a little bit. Maybe that time has passed and maybe maybe there there's going to be some shakeups before before any of them go to the main roster if any of them go to the main roster. Yeah. Yeah, we we spoke what 2 3 weeks ago, maybe even maybe even more about how no, it was after Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor uh, at Takeover about mm-hmm. how there were rumors of a possible UE split. Mark, after last night can you see this split happening now? Because this seems, in my eyes, that it's pulled them together. Yeah, if anything, I agree. I think it's pulled them more together. Um, if there is the idea of another person being added to this collection of of uh, Pat McAfee uh, hoodlums or, or faction, um, maybe Ridge Holland, who took out Adam Cole and left him laying, maybe he's the fourth. And that this group is of the four of them. So maybe it gives them someone else. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see a split. Not with, if we're following breadcrumbs leading to a trail, these guys all seem tighter together. Uh, uh, Kyle O'Reilly was more willing to sacrifice the opportunity at a title and being with his brothers than that. That says something too. Now, does that make him. Um, Weaker? I don't know. I don't think that, but I do think that in having him with the rest of AE or sorry UE, that there is no division now. We have an injured Adam Cole recuperating, oh, at least after um, what he had suffered to take over, and now we have this taking place. Um, they're more united. I I'm excited for what Halloween Havoc might lead to with these guys all together. Um, you mentioned. Actually, uh, Kyle O'Reilly being more interested in being with his brothers in this difficult time rather than having the opportunity at a championship. Do you think they're going to be turning UE face as a unit? As a as a unit, I, why not? 
I think this is, it's been so far that they've been collective as a, it's, it's one thing when I guess you have a tag team, but for an entire faction, um, and typically like New Day, together were heels and together were face. There was no turn. As opposed to them being divided, the idea of a completely heel faction being completely face is reminiscent for me of the shield and a group that was as dastardly as they were being collectively beloved i wish this was in front of a live audience so you would have gotten that reaction but yeah that that's kind of my feel on it Uh, what are your guys takes on it you you mentioned there about uh rich holland could possibly be the fourth uh i think rich holland's on the shelf because didn't he he blow his knee out last week week before trying to catch someone from the ring oh my gosh so wait a minute all that work yeah in carrying a (laughs) god sorry man sorry to be a the no no but i mean if if everybody stayed healthy i that would have been the fourth that would have made the most sense okay uh how about if you're talking about a fourth uh austin theory because yeah he's not had much to do lately he keeps throwing but he's throwing a fit and threatening to quit NXT. Maybe Pat could have a word in his ear and say, you don't need to quit, just join me, and I'll see what I can do. Maybe. It's, it's something. Maybe. It's just something. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I guess I'm not as warm to it, because if he's just... If he's just having, having a fit, then it just makes him a child. And he's the guy that was part of the Messiah's collection, and then made some questionable choices and quietly then dropped. he's not a part of that Pardon? quietly dropped wasn't he quietly very quietly triple h has seen people online could see the ue split coming so he's going to throw everyone right. a curve and say no they're going to join together to to defeat pat and his, his cronies but could he then throw another curve and say but at the same time as them doing that they're going to split the UE because they were either in on it or they don't really care about Adam and Kyle. Ah. And they, they just fake the, the actual injuries in that an assailant happened to knock them out, but there was no real assailant or was just playing it along. Be, it could be that. It could be that Bobby and, and, and Jobby, I'm just calling him Jobby from now on, um, oh. <laughs> are just, you know, are just annoyed and, and pissed that Kyle and Adam are, are getting not not over as such, but getting the opportunities that they should be getting, even though they were the number one contenders. But it's just, it was just a, a theory that popped into my head. That that was all. Hmm. Thoughts? Maybe bringing UE to kind of like a, a like a tweener level, where they're they have they have this like they're united they're united faction, but they still kind of walk the line. And the idea is that you know they're their brothers first and foremost you know maybe maybe something kind of like the shield when when we we started to appreciate how cool they were ah uh, okay yeah i could see them walking that line very 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 tightly between heel and face mm-hmm. much like austin did when he started before he got completely over exactly yeah or like what uh, Kevin Nash was doing with Diesel shortly before he left for mm-hmm. Greener Pastures. Yeah. yeah, that could work. I could see that. I see that with a group. The good thing is, is that we obviously 
the way it finished last night and the way that everything is so up in the air that we don't know, which is why this speculation is happening. It's not just us, it's everybody in the IWC. Check Twitter if you don't believe us. Where's this going to go? What's Pat McAfee doing? Is he going to bring more into his group? What is his grudge against the UE? Are the UE going to fight back? Are the UE together? Are they stable? Yeah, it's, it's got NXT talking. And after last night's AEW, they need to be talked about in this high regard. We'll get onto that a bit later. So it's worked. And us lot are just fantasy booking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of what we're doing here. It's, it's a good storyline. The fact that they've, they've pulled Pat back in from absolute nowhere, like I said earlier, is great. It's got people talking again. Where it's going to go, nobody knows. So let's just sit back, hold tight, and just, just watch it. Just enjoy. Just enjoy what's going to come forward, right? Mm-hmm. Try our best to... to uh, I'm just going to abandon that thought. Uh, how do we feel about Halloween Havoc? Go on, Mark. Go on. Um, I, I can't think of any past WCW event or formerly without reminiscing about what something was. I think it was cool because it was always tied to, they, they went for something that was tied to a theme of being Halloween and they've got characters that may fit for it. I, I as far as like the scheduled matches, I think everything now is just so quickly. How do I phrase it? Everything feels like it's so quickly put together that you don't get a chance to embrace it where, especially for NXT, if we're not watching it every week, you, you lose that, it loses that steam, that muster, whatever it is that's, that makes it special. Then you throw in something that was fairly notable WCW event. People might have thought it was very campy and just you know, very themey and they didn't like the idea of something like that. But then you, for certain characters to tie to it, it works. Me, I can't think of what NXT's trying to do with what Halloween Havoc kind of was. Maybe that's just a me and trying to be able to separate between the two. I'm not sure how anyone else's take might be when it comes to that event. I think the 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 notion of the spin the wheel, make the deal is kind of neat and how that ties into a couple of matches. But that that is definitely more reminiscent of older WCW days. But I yeah, also, I, I, I'm I'm not. Go ahead. No, no, I'm I'm just unsure if if I'm if I'm completely supportive of the matches or the concept or the use of it. Like, so I'm kind of on the fence. The way I see it is that it's kind of reminiscent of of Raw Roulette whenever they were in. Whenever they were in Las Vegas, they would have the big the big wheel that they'd spin them to to make matches, and uh, that's that was fine. It was a way to to spice things up for an evening, and I think that they've made it the choice to do this as a as a special rather than a pay per view. Kind of makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think they could really fill three hours with with spooky shenanigans the way that WCW or even even the main roster could. As for the matches themselves, I mean, they seem to be the most... seem to be kind of obvious because, you know, Damian Priest has, has kind of the walk-in-the-dark-side thing going on 
same with uh, Cameron Grimes and, and, you know, Dexter Loomis has his, his like psycho thing going on. I don't really see how Io Shirai and Candice LeRae fit in. It almost seems like they're doing that to kind of push the idea of, of the NXT power couple. But uh, as, as the, the Halloween special. Yeah, I'm into it. I have a vague recollection of, I think, late last year where WWE went on a a massive trademark splurge and they trademarked yeah. Halloween Havoc and many other uh, properties as well. I'm thinking that they intended to make Halloween Havoc a huge NXT pay-per-view, but because of COVID and everything else that's happened, that they've decided not to do that and have TakeOver 31, which was, what, two weeks ago? And then yeah. make Halloween Havoc a, a, as you said, a TV special. In regards to the actual show itself and its history, I don't mind it. I mean, I've, I've gone back and watched old Halloween Havocs. And yeah, some of them were, were played up to the spooky cards and the, the, the gimmick matches, like the, the spinning wheel maker deal matches and things like that. And then there were other times where you get flashes of brilliance, which is, you know, Ray and Eddie, that, that famous match from 97. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't think you need to be have spooky matches or many gimmick matches for it to be a Halloween Havoc. It's just Halloween Havoc because it's just close to Halloween and they just want a, they just want yeah. a TV special. It's like they, like um, AEW had, was it Bash at the Beach? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't really do much <laughs> beach stuff. It was just happened to be in, in you know, Bash just, just happened to be the name of the event. I reckon that's what it's going to be here. Obviously it helps with the wheel, bringing back the wheel from, I think the last time it was used was, was 92. Uh, I think it was. I'm not. I'm not too sure. There's a coal miner's, coal miner's glove. glove think, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sting versus Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts. So right. you know, bringing that back is a is a good touch. Going, bringing back the 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 havoc history. Uh, the graphics are all cool. The matches themselves, I'm a bit uh, a bit meh about it. I'm I've, I've got no expectations, which is probably the best because then if it's great, I'm going to be blown away. But it. It does yeah. feel a bit rushed because it's come so quickly off the heels of TakeOver 31. It's I'm looking forward to it. It's NXT. I'm, I'm going to look forward to it. It's wrestling. Sod it. I'm, I look forward to it. But I'm not looking forward to it as I have been other events. If it's great and blows, me, blows my expectations out of the water, fantastic. If it's crap, then okay. I had no expectations anyway, so I'm good. That's the way, that's the way I see it anyway. With, with one... With one Wednesday night extravaganza in the books, let's talk about the other one. Let's talk about AEW. This, as you fellow listeners should know by now, is recorded on a Thursday night, Thursday afternoon in the in the US and Canada. And all day, I have seen nothing but show <laughs> tunes and Frank Sinatra gifs and anything else to do with with the Rat Pack. If you don't know why, pause this pod, search AEW, MJF and Jericho, and just watch seven minutes of pure, utter effing brilliance. Absolutely fantastic. In case you don't know, yes, last night, uh, Jericho and MJF were to meet and have a steak dinner to discuss MJF's introduction to the Inner Circle. What happened was... (laughs) is they played a game of one-upmanship on how rare they could eat a steak. 
And then all of a sudden, at random, they began singing My Shadow and Me together as a duo with backing dancers. Um, it was like a full <laughs> Broadway show. The the background fell apart and you, there was like a big show scene. Be like, oh, seriously, go out your way and watch it. I loved it. There's a few people that I know personally who, who poo-pooed it. There's quite a lot of people on Twitter and, and Facebook who are a bit iffy about it. What about you two? Have you seen it? I, I saw it as it happened. It, you yeah. did, yes. <laughs> yeah, same here. Well, now, why, why did they poo-poo it? I am curious. <sighs> I'm, my guess is that there's just some people who, who don't really appreciate... Curious? Yeah, people who don't appreciate that amount of, of theatricality mm-hmm. in their pro wrestling. The people, the, the people I know personally who haven't liked it uh, are very much, as you said, they, they don't mind the skits. They don't mind the backstage segments and vignettes, but they, they, they like them tiny portions. They don't like them to take up, well, as I said, seven minutes. But seven minutes is nothing nowadays. A vignette, a backstage... In the grand scheme of two ex- hours? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, they were very much, no, there's a time and a place for it, and this wasn't the time and the place which I can't understand what their reasoning. And then you've got the purist purists who are on Twitter who were like, no, no, not at all. It is a wrestling show. It's not an entertainment. They were, AEW was saying from the very start that they were a wrestling show. They weren't sports entertainment. This is entertainment. Rah, 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 rah. At which point I was like, yeah, you're all bloody mad. <laughs> I, I loved it because it is so different. And as I said on, on Twitter and Facebook, that it's so much blue sky thinking that, it's brilliant. No one's ever, I've never seen a musical number from a West End slash Broadway show on a wrestling program. And I've never thought about it. I'm sure no one else has. And it worked just because it was that. And because of the two people involved. Every, everyone yeah. knows Jericho's yeah. got some chops. And MJF, wow, he can sing. Yeah. Yeah, he's got, a, he got, a, got a, an impressive voice there. He's so good. So, so you, you watched it live. I woke up at 4 a.m. this morning uh, to see your comments in the group chat. What exactly did you put in the group chat, Pete? Uh, I I asked if everyone else had seen that to make sure that I hadn't been like dosed with something, because like you said, it was just so much out of the blue that that I had to be sure that I hadn't like fallen asleep and dreamed it all. <laughs> but uh, no, it I was, uh... oh, go on, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. I have a friend who isn't, doesn't really follow wrestling, just knows uh, a little bit about it from, from some of their friends, myself included, who once joked, like, years ago, once, once asked me jokingly, hey, why aren't there musical numbers in pro wrestling? <laughs> and I sent her, I sent her, the, the, uh, like, a little clip of it, <laughs> and she got back to me saying, this is everything I hoped for, but also I hate mjf and jericho more now so i think as as i think they could get away with it because they're heels and because it's just so gloriously self-indulgent yeah that it it makes perfect sense as a thing for mjf and and chris jericho to do what about you mark what did did you think no i i thought it was fun and i think this is not something that you're going to commonly see. I mean, I jokingly would say, hey, we need more show tunes in wrestling. No, we, <laughs> we really don't. But uh, it, all kidding aside, it was fun for that, right? You have the opportunity of seeing guys that almost look like 
I got. I almost feel like if Jericho was to look into a mirror twenty years earlier, he's going to see MJF. It's it's uncanny the way he, the way in which he comes across, and it only works with him. Now, I did share or retweet something. I think the only time I can remember a show tune being used was um, it was a WWE event in a promo, and they use a West Side Story. That was Raw Rumble type yeah. intro. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I think that was, no, that was a. Uh, yeah, the, oh yeah, the Royal, Royal Rumble. Rumble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was great. Right, and they used West Side Story, and you know, and that was a promo. Nobody ballyhooed about that. Was that because it didn't happen in the co- in the confines of a ring? Everybody loved that. It was fun. It was different. Just like the introduction, if they did something for WrestleMania when they're in Hollywood and they've got all these Hollywood tied themes, right? So, I think people forget that. It's been done and it was fun. And you like to escape that mundane, what the typical booking is all the time. And this got away from that. Now, does this mean that next week in this uh, town hall that MJF is going to be in? I, I really wonder how everybody else, I'm not really getting a vibe so per much, so much from Jake Hager, but from the rest of the faction what's their perspective of having mjf walk with them because i'm sure wardlow is part of that they all seem divided well i saw today that jake hager is training again for another mma belt so he may be taking some time off from AEW. so if he goes there's an open spot and after last night i could see mjf and Jericho teaming up uh, as as a team, as a tag team, somewhere down the line. I mean, it yep. makes more sense than him and Sammy Guevara if they're going to be moving forward with this Sammy Guevara Matt, Matt Hardy. Hardy feud. Yeah, but to um to everyone that was poo pooing the 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 musicality of of that segment, I'd like to draw your attention to a tweet that I saw from Alex Boniello. Does that name ring a bell to you guys? Nope. He is an actor and a Tony Award-winning producer who watched the show. And immediately after the show, he, he congratulated MJF and Chris Jericho for their performance and even offered to send them his Tony Award because he was so blown away by what he watched. <laughs> and this is a guy that is one of Tony, for Christ's sake. So he knows his musicality. So to everyone that, that basically shit on it, up yours. And a, a proper professional actually went out of his way to say that was bloody good work. So go back to your mum's basement, you idiots. Uh, I heard that apparently <laughs> they shot that whole scene at 2 a.m. Yeah, I, I heard that. The night before, yeah. yeah Jericho, after, really? after it went off air last night, Jericho jumped on the mic, mainly to get, <laughs> mainly because the crowd wanted to sing his theme song. So he came out and his theme song played and, and the crowd jumped on. But he then, he then spoke to the crowd and said that, yeah, they, they, um, they finished the edit on that 22 minutes before it was aired live. And uh, that was up until silly o'clock in the morning filming that. So that's, that's dedication. <laughs> but, but yeah, you, um, he, he could be, MJF could be in the inner circle. Again, where does that leave Wardlow? Because Wardlow's now in the, the uh, AEW World Title Tournament, which um, we'll, I suppose we'll talk about now. He, he took on Jungle Boy and uh, pretty much decimated the poor sod. Mm-hmm. 
Hendon went through to the next round. So is Wardlow kind of breaking away from NJF, or is he going to be still tied to his apron string? I think they're going to be they're going to be close. I'm not 100 percent sure that MJF is going to make it into the inner circle. Like I think he's they're probably he's probably going to have to have a match with somebody before they let him in. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for Wardlow, I don't think he's making it through to the finals just because you know they put Hangman Page and Kenny Omega on opposite sides of the bracket for a reason. Yeah, yeah, we said that last uh, week. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like Wardlow will probably he'll probably have something to do at Full Gear, and then him and and MJF will probably get back together, or at least associate uh, on TV again. Yeah. I... yeah. Sorry, Mark. Go on. No, I I I'm of the belief that MJF seemingly needs more of that muscle to back him up, especially and potentially in a faction where he's. He's the odd man out sort of thing. So he can talk his game, but when three fifths of the group aren't supportive, he's going to need somebody to kind of be his muscle. And I never get the impression where Jericho is necessarily backing up MJF. It's more like you, me, you, me, me, you, you. but it's not yeah, they're like always, they're always kind of at each other's throat. Yeah. It's very, it's very edgy. As, as I alluded to there, Wardlow, um, disposed of Jungle Boy in the in his match for the uh, World's World Top Tournament, and he will be facing off against a certain Hangman Page, who who defeated Colt Cabana in a in a strange bout. To be honest, Cabana got a lot of offense in for me, mm-hmm. and we we were both said last week we weren't expecting much from from Colt. He was just going to be there to put over Page, which eventually he did, but he he took his he took his time and and, and looked pretty bloody strong while doing it. Which is probably why Dark Order ended up uh, helping him to the back. Yeah, and following the match, I think I think he he earned his stripes in that match. According to them, that's that's the way I see it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I missed Hangman's Chiron. Did anyone see it? No, no missed it. <laughs> it's one of the best things about the show. No, totally missed it. Although. Uh, something else if you literally blink and you miss it Kenny Omega defeating Sonny Kiss who was a replacement for Joey Janela as do we know why that was yeah Joey was at a show recently where one of the participants was uh, diagnosed with COVID ah uh, well at the collective possibly at the collective yeah and uh, GCW came out and had mentioned that there were some positive tests that came out from those that were in the the series of shows mm-hmm. So is was it a precaution that he did it and self-contained? I think it was basically yeah. You, you know, if you're around someone that's positive, then you just you just instantly go into quarantine for two weeks. So yeah. he told Tony Khan and the rest of the boys, and his tag team partner Sonny Kiss took his place. And I bet he wish he didn't because one V trigger and one one winged angel, and it was all over. Thirty seconds. This yeah. match lasted. <laughs> 30 seconds. But there was a real different presence from Omega oh, did, on this he night. He looked good. Oh, so I vibes back to his New Japan days as the cleaner. Oh. It, mm-hmm. it started even with his intro. Oh, yeah, it's like, got a new intro as well. Did you, yeah. But but that, that intro from from Justin Roberts, is a, he's a former, he's shattered Meltzer's uh, five-star ratings uh, twice, and like uh, it's insane. I'm like, is this for real? Is he rattling off his 
is all of his past accolades. That's hilarious. Such a heel thing to do. Dancing sweepers. He does this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh, it was it was the way that he when he pinned Sunny Kiss, and like the the free count had been had been called, and he's sat there pinning Sunny Kiss still, and he's looking directly in the camera. Oh my god, that was awesome. So good. And then all of a sudden, he kind of. The, the switch flipped and he helped Sonny kiss up to his feet, held his arm up and said, you know, thank you very much. So is, is he a heel? Is he a face? Is he a tweener? What's going on? I, uh, yeah, it seems like him and, and the young bucks are sort of reverting to their old, uh, bullet club personas. You know, you got Kenny with sort of, sort of bringing back elements of the cleaner and the bucks have been, well, they've just been kicking anyone they can see. <laughs> Uh, and then dropping money like it's going out of fashion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing, is it? Because di- didn't Cody do a press conference last week where he f- he said that year two of AEW is going to be about Kenny? I Honestly, I think that's, that's something that they, that they decided to take their time and kind of earn mm-hmm. instead of... Yeah, because like they wanted to make it clear that, they, that this company wasn't just going to be, uh, hey, let's put ourselves over in the main event it was going to be mm-hmm. it was going to be about elevating themselves and their friends and the, that they've done everything they have done within that first year i think speaks a lot to to their um i guess dedication to that to to honor that yeah yeah they they said at the, the very inception of the, the company that it's not all about them they will they will play their part they'll be bit part players but when it comes to them to step up they'll step up and you, it's happening it's been happening slow burn for the past few weeks now with the bucks and now Kenny's he's kicking into top gear he will then go on to face Ray Phoenix who defeated his brother Pentagon Jr in a nothing less than an outstanding match from them two to be fair it once again, I'm sat on the edge of my seat thinking, how the hell did they do that? And that finish, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Wow. I called that match completely incorrectly. Because <laughs> the, way, the way I understood it was that when the Lucha Brothers face each other, they tend to just like trade wins and losses. And, and I, uh, as the match was starting, I was like, oh, I wonder, I wonder who won the last time they, had, they faced each other. And uh, it, was, it was Phoenix last time. So I figured it was going to be Penta this time. It, I was wrong. It was close, though. It was close. Very close. So many near falls. Mark, what did you think of the finish? What did you think of the match? Well, I think the match was outstanding. At the same time, uh, there was a scare there with Phoenix at one point where you've got um, uh, whether he, he, Phoenix didn't seem like he had his wits about him at one point, and then uh, Pentagon kind of breaks the shell of being competitor and concerned older brother because he's like landed on his head, seemed like. Now, whether he was just selling that, I'm not sure. But at the same time, uh, commentary really played it off as that. Does he? Is he going to be okay? Is everything all right? And then, then it became about I'm okay. You're okay. Let's go. And um, I mean, even that that Spanish fly towards the end and how they pull it all together. Uh, and surprised a little bit, but at the same time, little big brother gives little brother the rub. He moves on in the tournament, and that's that's good for all of us. I would not have seen that either. I mean, I would have I would have picked more Pentagon because of past success, but 
Uh, I think a lot of people have been clamoring for Phoenix to have to be the one to break away and be successful on his own. Just before recording tonight, guys, Ray Phoenix did a, an interview with someone and basically said that he had hurt his neck halfway through that match. He it it didn't go into detail about how, how badly he hurt his neck, but he finished the match and he seemed kind of okay. So it might just be a stinger. But yeah, there, that, that part where they stopped to, and slowed down the match, it was definitely because he, he legit hurt himself. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, and when it happened, I, I mentioned that it looked like he necked himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's um, that sets up Paige and and Phoenix. What's what do we reckon to that? Uh, you mean Kenny sorry, Kenny? I've done it again. Sorry, bloody stupid. <laughs> uh, we oh may, we we see Kenny. My my call is is Kenny, especially after systematically just ripping. Sunny apart, and it just leads to more of that page omega finish. Yeah, so. yeah. Pete called it the moment the brackets were announced. It's going to be them two in in the finals. Is is Phoenix going to put on a a a better showing than Sunny Kiss? Do you reckon? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. More than likely, I think it's going to be like that match between Kenny Omega and and Ray Phoenix is probably going to be one of the highlights of the show. Yeah just because of how immensely talented those two are. And, you know, I love watching clashes of styles like, like Lucha and, and uh, Kenny Omega's kind of more Puro influenced style. We, we are all in agreement. It's going to be a page Kenny final at fallout, fallout at full gear. Uh, next, is it next week? Yeah, it is next yeah, Saturday. Next Saturday. Oh, yeah. There goes the microphone folks. <laughs> That's that's me reaching for the the actually no it's a week after next it's a week after next Sorry, yeah full gear November seventh so yeah we um we'll have the I think is it the semifinals next week that they announce yes semifinals will be yeah semifinals will be next week and then they'll probably have a, sh- a showdown or, or a contract sign or some, yeah, like something like a, a face off of some variety yeah the week before um is that match possibly going to steal the show considering that the main event is looking like it's going to be FTR against the Young Bucks. Quite possibly. I I find it interesting that they decided to to shift Young Bucks into this more heelish position ahead of their clash with FTR. Just because FTR are just so f- effective as heels, especially within within um, AEW. Yeah. Yeah, you're right there. Are they though? Well the Bucks. Well Look at that finish last night and how Tully and ha- came involved and how they used a steel chair, very heel-like. Did they outheal the heels? Does that knock down the bucks down a peg and that they're not all that they say that they are and that they're not this prevailing heel team because, gosh, a guy that was one of the dirtiest players helped to give a spike pile driver to... Guys that are known for doing those sorts of things themselves, did they outheal the heel? That might actually be the case, but I mean that's that in, introduces some, uh, um, I guess, a more interesting dynamic in which in which the Bucks are playing heel because we don't often see FTR bang face, and that's just because no. that's just because of the psychology of the situation. If they're you know no flips just fists and they're keeping the Bucks grounded, that's that just that just leads it lends itself to 
to play in the heel so much so much easier. I'm worried that a match that I've been looking forward to for three years could be a damp squib because there is no definitive division between the two. They're either they they go they're both going to be heels and face face heel heel matches in my opinion do not work unless unless something really extraordinary happens and i yeah. can't see that in that match the bucks are pushing themselves too hard to be heels ftr are the heels i don't think anything's going to give and are they as mark said are they going to play one upmanship throughout the entire match on who's the biggest heel team um, I'm just worried. Just worried that everything that we've wanted for the last three years, we're not going to get. Did it? Did it? Those actions last night undo the throwing of ten thousand dollars here and there. The I don't care attitude. Um, you know, could they have enabled somebody else to have been a part of that too? And they brought in another legend that kind of countervenes Tully, right, or something to that which balances the playing field. That's the problem though, too, is now we have all of these things that he shows or they show. Now we're wondering, did it all make sense? Does it all make sense? If you undo it. The only way I can really see this making sense is if it's the beginning of a program, if they're going to be going back and forth for the coming months. Hmm. And, you know, maybe we'll see the real climactic finale to Young Bucks versus FTR at Revolution, Revolution. in February. Revolution yeah. or, or Double or Nothing. That's their, that's their big, big one, isn't it? Double or Nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, could the story last that long, even till February? Ooh, possibly. But again, there's, you've got to decide who, who is what. The Young Bucks, are, as, as we spoke about just now, the Young Bucks have kind of reverted back to what they were in a bullet club over in New Japan. They're these cocky heels that don't care about anyone else because they know how good they are. Back over that, when when they did that in, in New Japan, it worked because they were the gaijins. They, no one really knew them and, and how good they were. Over here, I don't think, or over here, over, over in the West, I don't think it's going to work as well because we all know how good they are. And the cockiness just doesn't, the, the arrogance doesn't doesn't work because everybody knows how good they are. They've just won... The, the mm-hmm. number one contendership. So everyone in the company knows. And FTR are never ever going to be faces because they are old school, no you know, no flips, just fists, heels. They they are perfect in that role. So they're not going to change, which means the young bucks are going to have to change tack yet yet again. Then would you take them seriously if all of a sudden they've turned to proper baby faces? It's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a uh a missed opportunity, I think. Here, they should have, unless uh, unless something happens down the line, I think they should have left the Bucks as they were, and let them lose to FTR for them to turn heel. Uh, unless there's like a clear, gonna show disrespect to the past, because a few weeks ago it was all about embracing the past, and maybe that was all a foe, right? But unless they haven't gotten, they're they're gonna get their they're two cents in on Tully Blanchard and do something that shows a disrespect to the past. And maybe that's the cocky, arrogant, maybe indirectly a slap at Jim Cornette and all of those things that they do. And maybe that's what they do. 
But if you do, if you that's do something, the only way they generate that heal. If heat. they do something to Tully, that instantly turns FTR face because they're now defending his honor. Right, and they're not faces. They. <laughs> this is what I mean. They're a- not. AEW have backed themselves into a corner here, and I don't know how they're going to get themselves out of it, unless. Well, but maybe that's unless, unless Pete says it's the start of a program. But then the Bucks are going to turn face again pretty quick after they've turned heel pretty quick. It it, it doesn't work. Like I said, unless something completely random and exciting happens and blows all this crap that I'm talking out the water. But but there we go. So there we are, guys. Are, are the Bucks heels and the Bucks face? Are FTR going to turn? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe Tony Khan is the only one that knows, and we'll find out more on next week's Dynamite. Before we go on to the all-important G1 results, which a lot of people have asked for, I'm going to throw this over to my boss, my head honcho, my partner in crime, <laughs> Mark Madison, and he's going to talk about a few things that have been published on the site recently. Uh, I, well, yeah, I know I listen to your work and it definitely blows anything I say out of the water. So last week you did a stellar job. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I'll send you those $20 in a couple of minutes via PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> PayPal, I guess, right? That's how we're accepting yeah, that's it. that's the one. <laughs> uh, past pieces of this past week are, gosh, he's he's cranking out really solid content since joining us. Mike Bryan. Once again, um, a two-part piece. It's over 5,000, almost 6,000 words that we divided up into two parts on the rivalry between The Undertaker and Kane. And it runs the gamut of 23 years. And in that, those amount of words, it's definitely evident. And he really went to town on it, really proud of what he did. Um, it was really special because you could see where they were, uh, where they are. And this is really it's funny enough because it really ties into what's coming up. This coming Sunday on the WWE Network, they're starting up their 30 Days of the Dead Man. And weekly, there is something that will be released. And it's interesting how the relationship of the Brothers of Destruction, at least the Kayfabe Brothers of Destruction, um, and how they managed to make each other they reinvented, yet the relationship was either trust or distrust, friend, ally, enemy and uh, what they were willing to do to each other. It's uh, pretty remarkable. And even up until the end, we'll get a chance to see that um, in a few weeks when they release that. But uh, Mike does a super job. We uh, thank him for it. The Undertaker and Kane has been one of those rivalries that's that's been in the product since about the time I started watching. It's just something that's that's always that's always been there in my in my memory of of watching pro wrestling and so i to to try to think of something to say about it is almost like it's almost like asking me to 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 find something to say about water <laughs> like it's just something it's just something i'm so that's so basic and and <sighs> something i'm i'm so familiar with that it's kind of hard to to really think of anything to say yeah so so you've seen it from the the aspect that as a fan that's that it's always been there, mm-hmm. yeah. I I'm a, a bit older than you, <laughs> just by not much, and I I remember Kane's debut. I remember Taker's debut. I remember watching that. I remember watching Taker's debut live, um, sitting downstairs in my in my parents' house at I think it was about two a.m. 
and Taker was brought to the ring by Brother Love, and it's like, holy crap, who is this? I'd had the same feelings when Kane turned up in that Hell in a Cell match. And seeing the journey that the pair of them have been on, as Mark said, you know, they've been friend, they've been foe, they've teamed up against each other, they've teamed against each other. They 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 are intertwined. You you cannot say one without the other now. And Mark, not Mark, uh, Mike does a, a fantastic job over over two parts, over five thousand words. Bless him, he's been working hard, and it shows. It's if you don't know much about them, and and if you don't, where the hell have you been? But read read these pieces <laughs> they they will catch you up quick smart in case you you you've been living under a rock for the past 23 years it's uh he, i said last week i'll say it again he's our resident historian he's he's done so much for us in such a short space of time and we need to get him on here soon i think to find find more out about the guy yeah definitely well uh, mike's past is he's a trained wrestler so he's trained under rip rogers and ovw himself right, yeah so he's so he's got a wrestling background himself, and he has more of an appreciation for the retro, for the past, uh, for WCW, for those days, and he connecting to certain people, certain styles, certain things today is a little harder, right? Not everybody gravitates towards that, and that's okay. That's what makes liking this as much as we do, is if you can find some nugget of enjoyment in something, whether it's past or present, hold on to that. Make it important to you and keep loving it. So and he certainly does that with what he's done here. Yeah, he's done he's done good work. Uh, so we, we go from Undertaker and Kane, some some characters of the dark side, to a new series we have coming uh is it next week, Mark? It is, and I'm so excited about it actually. You know, we talked about Halloween Havoc. Halloween is um, is coming up. Um, I'm not sure how it's celebrated across the world. I'm not going to assume to um, if people find the same enjoyment as maybe we do about it. But I know from a North American standpoint, there are horror films that are coming out around the time. There is the idea of trick or treating, which won't happen per se COVID, but the love of things all frightening definitely translates itself into wrestling. And we're not talking about the overly obvious the undertaker and kane it's we we've addressed that it's important these are noted dark characters but it doesn't have to be the be all and end all and what you see is fear or horror or frightening covers such a wide gamut gamut of of things and this is what the series the seven nights of frights which starts this coming sunday and will run up until saturday the 31st ended on the Saturday. We have pieces from a, a past contributor that hasn't been contributing as much because he covers smash wrestling, but was interested in this series. And he's actually going to produce as many as three pieces. I'm actually editing one of them right now as we're talking. And um, we're going to look at characters like the boogeyman and Papa Shango and Leatherface in Japan. And, the Prince of Darkness, Kevin Sullivan, but we also have a couple of other authors with some surprises as well. Didn't want to give those away. Didn't want to reveal them just yet. But um, seven days, seven frights, seven nights, and they all come out at night. I don't know. I can't come up with any more rhymes, but there you go. <laughs> uh, have you have you read the uh, Leatherface one yet? Have I read it? Yeah. 
I wrote it. Oh, okay. Did you talk about? Uh, <laughs> do you talk about like some of the other some of the other like slasher characters that show up in Japan? Well, we we didn't get into everything, right? So we wanted to focus on specifically one character per mm -hmm. se, but okay. um, but there I mean, are, you there's... could you could really start to talk about some of the well, too late for that now. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you do mention you do mention a few slasher slasher characters over over in um uh is it Wing? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Let's say I thought it was FMW. Uh, you do, you you touch on FMW as well, but it's, it's and Wing. Yeah, he moves. He moves from F. He moves to FMW from uh, IWA and Wing. Okay. I mean, his relationship with Cactus Jack was there, but um, it got a little more cliche and silly when he came to the u.s and reinvented so this was a former wwe star corporal kirshner i used to like That's him back in the day back, yeah huh back in the late yeah back in the late 80s he was introduced to japan from by hulk hogan um he there's the criticism that he worked very stiff and others didn't like him at the time so i put up this video and and mark has had a chance I'm not sure. Did you actually watch the I video did. that I embedded? Yeah, I did. I, I had to put, I had to put, I felt like a, a warning to anybody that thought because chainsaw wielding is one thing in a horror film. Chainsaw wielding when people are in seats scattering for their lives, it crosses that line that I never thought I'd ever see. So it, it yeah. did it so, took me back to um, when Retribution were a, a, a hot thing and they came to the ring and, and with a chainsaw and cut the ropes. The video you embedded uh, that you'll all see when the, the Leatherface piece goes live is a 10 times more scary than that. As you said, you've got all these people running for their lives. You would not get away with that now. Health and safety would have a sodding field day. But it, it's, yeah. it's just amazing how how much people were willing to do to get their character over. And if their character's like a slasher horror character, it all bets were off, especially back then. Wow. People call it garbage wrestling. I, I'm, we would call it hardcore and it pushes the envelope, but this is, there's definitely a time and a place for certain things. But when, when planks of wood have nails, not like little prickly pieces of, of barbed wire kind of tied to it and guys are getting powerbomb through it. How is that not attempted homicide? You know, like I, I look at it and I, th I think this was legit and he goes off script and not planned on. And you wonder with some of the death match stuff that happened, that stuff was frightening. How Mick Foley is still around today. I wonder. And, and Terry Funk with some of the stuff they did do. Pretty crazy stuff. Well, he's still going, isn't he, Terry Funk? Pretty sure. I think he retired yesterday for like the 76th time. But I'm not... <laughs> I was about to yeah. ask, what number of retirement <laughs> are we on? I'm not sure. I love Terry Funk. Don't get me wrong. But damn, that guy needs to stay retired. He needs to have some quality of life. Jesus. Be aware of our hashtag, Seven Nights of Frights. It'll be tied with all of those pieces and um, be scary. <laughs> There we, there we go. I'm sorry, Mark. I don't know why I felt the need to do that. Oh, but my yeah. God, that just popped me. Um, so, yeah, 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 watch our socials. Especially watch Mark's because he might hashtag mwa-ah-ah-ah as well when he's, when he's <laughs> pushing for the Seven Nights of Frights. This, as Mark said, series will begin on Monday and it will finish on Halloween's Sunday. Monday. My bad. 
it will begin on Sunday and finish on Halloween itself. Uh, just keep an eye out. We will push it on our socials, which will obviously push towards the end of the show. Back to some wrestling and back to our last topic of the day. It is something that we said last week we we're going to cover and people have been harassing me saying, why did we drop it? Uh, we, I, we dropped it because we didn't have time to watch it, but we, we watched the G1 finals this past Sunday. Wow. Wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. The, the actual main yeah. event, Kota Ibushi and my boy Sanada, who pulled it out of the bag when I thought he was going to get knocked out. They put on one hell of a show. 35 minutes of pure, strong style storytelling. Everything you'd ever want in a wrestling match, they did. Uh, I'm hoping that you two saw it, or at least saw highlights. I did. I did see highlights of that match. You, uh, like you said, it was it was very very different from from a match that I would have expected those two to have put on, mm-hmm. especially considering the style that that <clears throat> excuse me, uh, considering the style that Kota Ibushi usually re- wrestles and the style that Sonata usually wrestles. Even you know they have their they had uh, uh, like you said a lot more focus on strikes and 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 holds rather than their usual. Their usual high flying, risk taking kind of style. Yeah, the the flow, the ebb and the flow of the match was was very much stop start, but that was deliberate because obviously they they were going for so long, and the high flying action that did take place was highlighted even more because there wasn't much in it. There was a lot, as you said, a lot more holds, a lot more just ground and pound and strikes. It's it was as you said, it was completely different. I've never seen. I have I haven't seen Ibushi in a match like that in a long time and, and Sonada once again pulled out another great match. But unfortunately, he's he's the nearly man of, of New Japan because Ibushi walked away the winner and uh, a two time G one winner. Mark, well what do you what do you think to that? Is is Sonada the nearly man? Does he need that big win to to like validate himself or or is he alright as he is? You know, we talked a little bit about this off air. I didn't want to kind of spill too much, but I think you and I were in the same same wavelength when it came to it. Is he, I think that's a great question because is he going to be the best never was when it comes to coming so close and everybody thinking he's going to be the one to cross over? Opportunities come and they go and they seem to present themselves to Sonata. He deserves so much better to be more than just the, it could happen. Heck, no disrespect to anyone else, but if evil can be put in that position, why can't Sonata? You know, so as being a flag bearer and someone to hold a title and someone to hold a significant title and be valued. Now, um, I, I think that big win is going to be needed sooner rather than later because this is a conversation about him and being close for, I, I want to say, at least five years. At some point, we've got to, it's got to go more than just showing potential. You've actually got to be the one that's holding it and the company standing behind you and saying, yeah, we entrust you in this role. I mean, they show it in Ibushi and they've sh- certainly shown it years in the past of, um, with Akata and they're def- they definitely do that with NATO. So where does Sonata rank? Is he within the top five or do guys like Kenta who are returning get elevated and put in that position, you know? That's tricky, because when Kenta came back, he was pushed to the main event straight away. 
he was it. I think he had he had a yeah. feud with with Tetsuya. Uh, Sonada, I've said for since day one, Sonada is my boy. He is the next big thing in New Japan. But as you said, I've been saying that for five years. There's got to be a point where he becomes the big thing. He does need that win. He does need to hold the titles. Whether or not it happens at Wrestle Kingdom, whether or not Ibushi puts up the the contracts, he's a he's a fighting champion. He always has been, always will be. Could he? Could there be a scenario where he puts up puts up the the contracts and and Sonata grabs it that way? Could Naito drop the Intercontinental Belt before Wrestle Kingdom? Is mm. you know does Sonata need the IC belt or does he need you know the IWGP Heavyweight Championship? It's I personally well, that's, go on, go on, Pete. That's a question we'd probably have to answer whether, when, and if they split the belts again. Mm. I, I, again, talking about companies that have pushed themselves into a corner, like New Japan have done that here. They've they've made Naito the double champion and Evil before that as well. But because there's no secondary title belt, everyone's going for the main belt. And in situations like this, where Sonada lucks out again. He can't go for the IC belt because it's out of his grasp because of Naito being a double champion. Really makes you wonder how they're feeling about the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. That's kind of forgotten. The moment. <laughs> well, it's just because John Moxley can't make it. Exactly. Exactly that. So, you know, if this was WWE, John would have lost the belt from 30 days inactivity or whatever it bloody was. Yeah, I don't think they'll be using. Or at the very least, they'd have an interim champion. Interim, yeah. Like we're seeing, like we're seeing with the the NXT Cruiserweight Championship mm-hmm. with with my mate Jordan. It's 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 a tricky one. It really is. I I want Sonada to be the top the top dog. Akada's kind of not walked away, but he's he's walked to the side and and letting Naito, you know, having the spotlight, which he should do because Naito is well deserving of it. But you can't just have as as we found out in WWE, you can't just have the like two, the two main people going at it time and time again. They did that with Cena and Orton. Then over here, it's happening in New Japan with with Okada and, and Naito. There's there's got to be someone breaking through that glass ceiling. Why why isn't Sonata given the ball? Really? Mm-hmm. There we go. Right. <laughs> Any other? No. Uh, uh, I was about to say any other any other matches worth uh, worth mentioning. Off that night, not really. It was mainly tags and a couple... I don't think there was any... Was there a single? I can't remember if there was a single or not, but the, the whole point of the G1 Finals is just that that match, and it delivered. It really did. Uh, it also made... It made history as well for, for Ibushi. He was... He's... Oh, sorry, he's the third wrestler ever to win two G1 Climaxes back-to-back. The other two are Hiroshi Tenzan and Masahiro Chono. I mean, that's not bad company to be in, really, is it? Oh, I was gonna say, I was, I, I was gonna say Anoki himself, but uh, it wasn't the G one back then. <laughs> no, nope. it's it's. Does it does it count when you put yourself in that position? Yeah, <laughs> everyone likes a bit of nepotism. It's all good. It, yeah, is Alex listening to this podcast right now? Would he be telling us about Anokiism? <laughs> quite possibly. That's another guy we need to get on here soon as well. Actually, good old Alex. Yeah, but yeah, it was it's us talking about Sonada not being given the ball, and then you've got Ibushi, who's still yet to taste like singles gold properly, but he's he's mm-hmm. now a back to back G one winner. 
he is being given it, but then he's not being given it. I'm I'm worried that that Gado is is uh is just relying on on Naito and Okada too much. That's all. He needs to broaden his his horizons. We shall see. Between what Russell Kingdom being two days, and between now and then, a lot can unfold, right? Indeed, yeah. Russell mm-hmm. Kingdom as uh, again was announced at, at the uh, the G1 final as being uh, another two day event. How that's going to work in a COVID era, I'm not sure because it's not that long away. To be fair, I can't see much changing. So even though it's being held at the Tokyo Dome, I can't see it being a, a sellout. We'll just have to wait and see what what the big plans are. Uh, with the G1 being so late this year, I'm not I'm not too, not too sure what the next kind of the big tournament or tour is before then. Was anything announced? I can't remember, guys. I d- I've not seen anything. No, so it might just be a few. Uh, local one-off shows all the way up until Wrestle Kingdom, but we're again we we'll uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Are, are we looking forward to to Wrestle Kingdom? Yes, always excellent. Always looking forward to Wrestle Kingdom. I shall endeavour to watch both days. I think I only watched one live last year because the next day, the second day, I had to go to work. Sucks, but I think it was the first kind of Wrestle Kingdom I've missed in four years. So I was at work in the wet and the cold and the snow and wishing I was at home, what puro. But never mind. I'm sure the same thing will happen to me again this year when I get screwed over at work and someone books a day off before me. But never mind. I shall have my phone and watch New Japan World on my break. It's, can you see anything else happening for um, for Wrestle Kingdom? Any other matches over those two days? Uh, do you reckon they're going split to the, split the belts by them? I, I don't think so. Because they haven't really... They haven't really shown any any hints at it, and they haven't. And I don't really see any any build to them breaking or breaking up the belts. Couldn't they just just actually saying that if Naito can could just turn around and say this belt's beneath me now? Or I'm surprised he hasn't done it already because the, the way he yeah, treated really the way he treated the IC belt before as a piece of trash. <laughs> he just I'm surprised he hasn't thrown it away already. I don't know. Let, let's let's hope so because. Otherwise, if you're just going for the, the double belts again, you're you're taking away a lot of matches. Uh, no, isn't there there a way in which they forget the heavyweight title in some ways? Like he's throwing it in the trash. <laughs> if he's not giving it any any prestige or any, he's still dragging it and throwing it. What's where's the value in it? I mean, he's, you he's don't done, even, they don't even talking about it. He's done that since since day dot though. He's he's always seen yeah. that as a, a a belt that's beneath him. He's always wanted the main belt, which, to be fair, every wrestler in every promotion always wants that top belt. So for him to treat the IC belt as, yeah, yeah, all right, cheers, but I'll just throw it away over here because my eyes are on the big prize, makes sense. It's mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah, and it really did so much to to elevate him from, like you say, a nearly man to to the the. The standard bearer for the company, especially after we had been so tired of Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi having their their hot potatoes with the belt. Yeah, yeah. Which then we'll go back, so full circle, straight back to Sonata. Does where does where does he fit in all this? Do you reckon he'll get there? Does Ibushi? It's just the good thing is is that even though I've just said Gado's painted himself into a corner, he's also done great booking because us lot. Once again, just like we are in AEW, are second guessing ourselves, fancy booking as to what the hell's happening. The only person that does know is Gado, and he keeps his cards closer to his chest than anyone else in the entire professional world. 
I'm happy just to sit here and wait, but I'm I'm cautiously, anxiously nervous about Sonada. He's my boy. He always has been, always will be, and uh, ah, just want to pull the trigger on a poor sod. That's all. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So that's the G1 all done and dusted for yet another year. Hopefully, the world will be kind of better by the time G1 is supposed to happen next year, and we'll get it during the summer rather than the winter. So, any anything else to say, boys? Are we good? Are we? Can we go? Can can we? Uh... I, I I leave that up to the boss, really. <laughs> all falls on you, Mark. <laughs> um, I, I think we could bid adieu. Oh, nice, excellent. A bit of French today, excellent. Well, a, a little bit of Kenny Omega, right? <laughs> ah, yeah. Right. So the big boss man has said it's time to go home. So on that note, let's send each other home. Pete, what are your socials, mate? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Pete Probably. You can find me on the site. You can read Brace for Impact, my weekly feature every Monday. And you can find me uh, in the trunk of a 1964 Chevy Malibu that is uh, driving around L.A. That's a deep cut for you. Anyone who can DM wow. me with the movie. Okay. Get a shout out on the next podcast. That's uh, That's got my mind thinking thinking there i'm sure i've heard that before mark any random movie scenes you want to talk about or you're just going to do your socials well no i i've really got to try and think on the spot now um well we can go into the socials perspective because i'll just start rattling off something and rambling when i get to that point so right now i'm just stalling um <laughs> my socials you can reach me in, uh, independently at um at the mark madison or you can reach me on the site specific twitter handle at pro wrestling pst um i dream and wish for the day when the letter o can be accepted but as it is right now we are pst pacific standard time i was talking to my wife about it and she said yeah well maybe we get rid of the t but then it's like pls I'm like isn't that no i can't even no, repeat what pls stands no, for so no, no so then so then pst is probably the best other option that i can go with because pro and wrestling fit so oh, um Reach yeah. out to Pat Sajak, see if we can buy a vowel. Ah, can we? Can <laughs> we? Vanna, oh Vanna, are you somewhere? And on Instagram at Pro Wrestling P, uh, uh, Pro Wrestling Post, actually on Instagram, you can actually catch our Facebook page, which doesn't seem to be getting mentioned so much in our socials, but um, we are fortunate at. So it's um, slash Pro Wrestling. PST, just because I wanted to keep it close to the chest. Forget the O. It's, it's a, nobody cares about that vowel anyway. It's right there. Um, you can reach us, find us on Facebook there at facebook.com slash pro wrestling PST. Uh, you can't find me anywhere creative like the trunk of a car or the hood of a Chevy Malibu. I'm not really sure, but I'm hoping you will find us all back here next week. And after that, uh, this is going to be a complete letdown. But I am Mark Blake PWP on Twitter. <laughs> and the site's Twitter is PWP underscore pod. And as, a, as always, you can download the Pro Wrestling Post podcast from your usual podcast providers such as Apple, Google, Spotify. You know the score. You, you listen to us. You know where to get them from. So there we are, guys and girls, folks, fans, everyone else. It is time to say goodbye. Until next week, adios. Hasta luego. Bit of, bit of Klingon to finish the show.